the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. Show dedicated to getting your retirement. Um, a lot of daily news. Some days more strategy. Today we're going to be going more news driven, a little bit of strategy. U.S. electric power sector is halfway to zero carbon emissions. That's cool. I'm not really sure how carbon and greenhouse gases work in the ozone layer. Like my area of smart is not there. But renewable energy's rapid growth is accelerating a national shift to a carbon-free electric power system. I like the idea, and I've liked it since I was like 10. I don't know if you remember one of the very first things that you ever got that had uh, renewable power. I had a calculator that it was solar charged, and boom. I was like, that's cool. But now we have cars. Big investment opportunities. But there's also a lot to learn that I'm going to try to do my best in the next year to teach you, to bring you up to speed on. Um, Carbon neutral and carbon negative. I would prefer to hear the word carbon negative versus carbon neutral. There's going to be a lot of cheating going on when we're talking about neutral. There's some big stories going to go on in the next uh, 12 months. Like headline today, Land Rover has succumbed to a chip shortage sweeping the car industry. I know you're saying, I didn't know there was a chip shortage. Yeah, there's a chip shortage. Um, Apple's going to introduce a new phone at some point in time, and will there be a chip shortage or not? Did they get their hands on enough chips? Chip shortage is a story. Renewable energies is a story. Um, There's going to be winners and losers, the way I like to say it. The average American's net worth is $748,800. How does your credit score play into that? Good question. I'll have an answer for you. As the show unwinds and unfolds, let's take a quick look at how the market opened today. First time look for me. I looked at three in the morning. It looked like it was going to be pretty neutral. After two rough down days and one big up day, after four up weeks, after 10 up years, where are we today? I really don't care. But because I do a show called Rob Black and Your Money, I need to talk about it. Stocks trading lower, giving back some gains mid-earnings season and economic data. S&P 500 is down fractions. Dow's down one-third of 1%, and the Nasdaq's down one-tenth of 1%. That doesn't sound like much to me. Is there anything to glean in this? Probably not. Existing home sales slow, prices reach a high. Jobless claims unexpectedly plunged to a pre-pandemic low. What? A pre-pandemic low? That can't be right. 
It can't be right. New weekly jobless claims unexpectedly plunged to a new pan. Oh, pandemic era low, not pre-pandemic. I read the headline wrong. So we're sitting at 547,000, 547,000. Anytime that number's under 350,000, I want you to make love to your partner. I want you to grab a rose and smell it. I want you to have coffee that's black with no sugar or milk, the way coffee's meant to be drank. I want you to enjoy the world and not stress about Rob Black and your money. 547,000 is still something to stress over. We got Uncle Joe. I'm not going to call him Uncle Joe ever again. I hate saying that out loud. We got Joe Biden as president. He's willing to spend government money, i.e. your money, tax money, and i.e. money that he's just going to print. Some Republicans are freaking out about it, going, you know, we got to cut a dollar of spending if we're going to do a dollar of um, stimulus. Where do you want to cut? Democrats and Democrats are like, ha, 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 we got control now. Just like Trump had control. We can do whatever we want. And that's what the next three and a half years looks like to me. Now, there's going to be a midterm election where the midterm tends to lose power for the president in control. As we start getting worried about how much we're spending to stimulate the economy or how much we're cutting taxes, we get worried about it. But that 547,000 number, it needs stimulus in first-time unemployment claims. When we're under 350,000, if we're doing stimulus, there's something wrong with our country. We've become addicted to stimulus. So that's a good number because it's a lower number than the last one, and it's the lowest number in 14 months. We're not firing people as fast. And ultimately, again, my my thesis is if we have jobs, we spend money. And what we've learned in the last year is if we don't have jobs, the government gives us money to spend. I saw yesterday LA is playing with the idea of universal income. More and more cities are playing with this idea. I'll be honest with you, I'm not up to speed on it. Just like I'm not up to speed on ozone. Will I get up to speed? I will, but you're going to have to give me a couple of weeks on that one. Right now, I'm up to speed on renewable energies and the investment plays there. I'm up to speed on big tech and what the year looks like ahead for that. I think the word regulation is going to be thrown around a lot. Average American has $90,460 of debt, but our net worth is climbing. The pandemic was very good for us strangely enough, in saving money. Tesla's autopilot critics say deadly crashes is a reminder that self-driving cars aren't a reality yet. I don't know what to make of that Texas story yet. On one hand, you're saying there was no driver in the car and it veered off the road and hit a tree. And on the other hand, you're saying Elon Musk has records show that they didn't have, they didn't pay for autopilot and they didn't pay for the upgrade and that it wasn't engaged. So I've heard there's some hacks that you can buy, and that just sounds like a bad idea. I don't like modding my computer. I don't like changing the stuff that I buy. Like, it's just, I don't feel comfy with it. But the next couple of weeks will be interesting to see who's right and wrong on that one. Does our criminal system, justice system, figure out was autopilot engaged or not? I don't know. Lumber prices are soaring, which is really, really bad news if you rent. I know you're saying, walk me through that one, Rob. 
We use lumber to build houses. The cost of lumber? Of uh, my neighbor did a teardown, and every day I hear doo, 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 nail gun going off. I'm like, man, he's paying a lot for the lumber right now. $22.75 per short ton. <clears throat> lumber futures are up 85% in 2021 because of soaring demand. Sawmills profit from the premium lumber commands over the stumpage fee. Think of it as a lumber crack spread of oil in the ground versus oil out of the ground. Uh, I can't possibly make lumber sexy for you. I can't turn it into infotainment other than to say it's really bad news to see lumber prices up 80% year over year. Because when we build houses, the people who build houses have to pay for this. And they go, well, we're just going to build a house for $100,000. No, no, no. If the cost of wood went up 80%, they're going to have to, if wood is 10% of your house costs, they're going to have to turn your $10,000 house into $11,000 house. They're not going to eat that. They're going to pass it on. Inflation. 85% inflation in, in lumber prices. Ouchie, ouchie. That's bad news for housing down the road. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Stick with me. I got more show coming up. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, more. You know, I talk about lumber prices up 80% year over year. Just stop today and pontificate, ruminate, whatever you have to do to think about the idea of California wildfires and how many houses burn down every year. And we had a dry winter. How many more houses are going to burn down? How many more hurricanes are going to sweep up the Atlantic coast? How many floods are going to take out homes? that are going to have to be rebuilt with lumber prices 80% higher. There is so much financial information and lumber prices 80% higher. First and foremost, your house burns down due to a fire, insurance company is going to give you a check. It's not going to be for 80% higher lumber because you didn't insure your home for that much. Five years ago to rebuild your home, it was way cheaper than it is today. I learned that lesson in a funny way when I first moved to California 25 years ago was we had just gone through a period of San Francisco and then there's a city across from San Francisco across the bay called Oakland and behind Oakland are called the Oakland Hills and they're lovely and they look at the sun setting on San Francisco and it's lovely except for it got a little too dry and homes started to burn down. Big problem people had was that they had had those homes in the family. 40 or 50 years, and they were all insured incorrectly. Rebuild cost, you should update your insurance policy every five years. How many people do it? I bet zero out of 100 people listening right now, other than a person named Rob Black. Um, I just had a car stolen, and I'm waiting for the final figure from the insurance company. But because I could afford it, I said, I want actual cost of replacement and not what the car is worth because of depreciation. I had to pay a little extra for that feature. 
But knowing full well that there's a lot of uninsured drivers in California, a lot of theft going on with the haves and the have-nots, um, there's a lot of information at higher lumber prices. How many homes do we tear down every year just naturally? 1,400 square feet, it's worth $2 million. You do a teardown and you make that a 3,000 square foot mansion. Um, lumber prices. Rebuild on on damage. How about this, this simple thought of wildfires rebuild? Fine, you get the idea, poor people, right? It's not me. But right now, home builders, they can't build enough homes fast enough. I would say, I'm not getting into the immigration debate, but people come to this country on a pretty regular basis. And when you come to the country, very few people say, I'm gonna come to the country and live in a tent. People want condos and townhouses and they want a roof above their head, homes. We are in a constant flux of building new homes and new housing. I dated a woman in San Francisco who, <laughs> this is funny, this is hilarious to think about. Um, she basically dated a guy because he was getting ready to move overseas. And when he moved overseas for a year, she's like, hey, I'll take your apartment. And the apartment was tiny, but because he had been at it, it had rent control. So he leaves the country, gives her the lease. She takes over paying it. Um, do you see that? She couldn't really afford to live in San Francisco. She had to find a boyfriend to fall in love with her, to get her way with it kind of thing. The funny part about the story is she moved her bed into the closet because it had a big old closet and a tiny old living room and a tiny old kitchen. So she lived in a closet. <laughs> like, that's just bizarre. But she couldn't afford rent at $3,000 a month. He had lived there so long, it was 1500 or 1000 then she looked across the street and they tore down some buildings and they put in low house, low cost housing over the next few years. Um, low cost housing is, it's problematic. It's not as easy to say, well, you know, the government's going to subsidize. You start getting people who can't afford to live there, trying to live there. Um, so we have a massive shortage of homes and affordable homes in the, in the whole United States. Some markets are better than others. But that that price of lumber is a really big problem. Um, because we use lumber to build homes. I saw a hotel in Portland recently went up made of all lumber and like no concrete. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a good idea. It sounds like a tinderbox. And I'm like, I think all homes are tinderboxes. The more I started thinking about it with lumber. Anyhow, and anyway. Um... Let's see, do I want to hit Tesla? I don't. Generation Z is going to have a hard time getting rich. They're, they're going to earn a third less on stock and bond investments than past generations. They can expect annual they can expect average annualized returns of just 2% according to new banking research. So I got to live, and I know this is going to sound really odd, but go with me. I got to live through the dawn of the computer age. Eh, not really the dawn. I wasn't around in the 1960s with the ENIAC and the IBM supercomputers that took up, you know, 
building sizes. But with Atari 2600, computers came to the home. And as an investor, it's been a glorious 30 years. I think the next 30 years is not going to belong to big tech. I think the next 30 years might belong to biotech. Um, so some of my chips are going that direction. Generation Z, they shouldn't look at Facebook as that's the stock I want to own. They should look at the engineer out of Turkey who started a biotech company and hasn't sold a share yet. Instead of engineer, I should say scientist, right? So banks say in Generation Z is going to hit a rocky road because there won't be as many opportunities to get wealthy. And I, I go, I don't know if that's totally true, but I think global investment returns will slow. And I've benefited from a market that's averaged 8 to 10% a year for 100 years, but I've also benefited from saying, screw that. I want bigger than that. I want tech returns. If I had to start today from scratch, I'm betting more on biotech than on big tech. Not that 5G is not great. 4G is good. 3G was okay. I don't know if there was a 2G. But at some point in time, the speed will be enough. The processing power is more than enough. We're not there yet. Maybe another 10 good years. We're getting late in the big tech game. Only because companies like Intel are having problems making smaller, cheaper, faster. Which has driven the innovation of tech. I'm not throwing tech or social under the bus. I'm just saying, I'm starting to look at reports out of banks saying millennials could expect 2% returns and going, that's a little bit too low, but I get where they're trying to state like concern. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm not a QAnon guy. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I do believe that the abominable snowman could be out there. No. I did see Bigfoot on a beach in New Jersey once. It was a really, really hairy dude walking back and forth. But that wasn't really Bigfoot. But he was really hairy. It scarred me as a kid. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, where is this going? I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy um, in any way, shape, or form. Um, I did see that the scientist who created the Pfizer vaccine, she said, yeah, you're going to need a third jab. You're going to get one next year to keep that defense up from transmission and from getting it and from severe reactions to COVID. And I bet I, I saw that news. Scientist who helped develop Pfizer BioNTech COVID vaccine says third shot needed as immunity wanes. So come August, September, October, when flu shots come out, we're probably going to see the COVID booster shot come out. One area that has a crap load, a boatload, a ton of value right now is big pharmaceutical stocks. 
Now, the conspiracy nut in me, who doesn't really exist, would go, ah, that's just the pharmaceutical companies coming up with a way to make an extra $100 million. Booster shots. But the investor in me goes, I should look at Merck and Pfizer and Eli Lilly. And I should look at a biotech index. Because one of the things that I've learned about this mRNA technology is it could help with cancer and it could help with old timers disease, as I like to call it. As a kid, I couldn't say Alzheimer's. I couldn't figure out the ALZA, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's. So I just said old timers. And I think it's a better name for the disease anyway. But some of my new money might go into biotech. Some of them might go into Pfizer because that third shot's coming. And I, something tells me when we're starting to see vaccinations in the United States wane and, and rural counties who overwhelmingly voted for Trump are just saying, we don't need any more. We've vaccinated the 10 people who wanted it. I'm like, this is going to be a problem. And there's going to be money to be made from it. I'm not going to invest in ventilators. But I might invest in a basket of pharmaceutical stocks. One of the, my best lessons that I ever learned about pharmaceutical stocks was I once invested in a company that fought cancer in a unique way. Basically, you could see a cancer cell in a scan. And what they thought of, let's freeze set area and cut out the cancer cells. And that sounded way better than chemotherapy and radiation. And it had an amazing, amazing PR machine behind the company. And they did a really good job of getting into the hospitals. The problem was once they're in hospitals, doctors used the technology and they didn't like it. It was clumsy and they didn't want to get sued and they didn't want to hurt people. So they stopped using it. Bad investment. That taught me when intuitive surgical came along and suddenly doctors are able to do surgeries while not even being in the country, but they can guide a robot through your heart and unclog arteries because we're big Oompa Loompas who love to eat butter. And I saw intuitive surgical used a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time. There's a valuable investment lesson there. When I saw Viagra for Merck, little blue pill, the stories were hilarious. Man gets an erection for four hours. Man has to go to a hospital. So I can't make jokes about sexuality without getting fired, but there was a lot of jokes about that going around back then of like, that doesn't sound like a problem to me. So I just made a joke. If I get fired, you know why. Um, but what was impressive about Pfizer's Viagra, and this is when I was first getting in the industry back in the early 90s, was it was, it, there was a story that I once read a research report that it was the most second prescribed drug of all time. So doctors like, I get hay fever and he's like, oh, go take some Zyrtec. And I don't get hay fever again for another year or two, and I'm not really using it, and the doctor doesn't really have to re-prescribe it. There's other choices out there. But men went rushing back to get a second and third dose and a fourth and fifth dose. That, that's the power of pharmaceuticals. Um, who makes the uh, Rogaine? That was, do you remember Rogaine? Do they still make Rogaine? They probably do where you spray a liquid on your bald head and it stops the hair from falling out. So you gotta be using it like, oh, let's just talk about this one. Prince William and Prince Harry. Which kid fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down? 
Prince William. Which kid is charmingly pleasant to look at? Prince Harry. Which could, kid should have started Rogaine when he was 12 years old? Prince William. Uh, Minoxidil. Um, thought being there is that putting, getting a drug that you can put on your head, a topical, not quite as good as taking a pill for most Americans. Um, it's almost like we don't want the lifestyle of like, oh, we got to squirt it on and let it dry. And we got to use a special comb. No, 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 no. Just give me a pill to cure everything. So I do want some of your money. If you've never, ever, ever considered a pharmaceutical, consider an ETF that's big pharma. The healthcare industry to me is obnoxious. I hate it, but I consume it. I do wish hospitals had a sign on their walls that said broken knee is $10 or broken knee is $1,000. And you're like, I'm going to go to the one that's $10. I do wish dentists say cavities are X, but then the insurance companies get involved. So there's four parts of the pharmaceutical industry or the healthcare industry. As you probably know, healthcare, um, HMOs, PPOs, insurance, hospitals, right? Big business. And you learned hospitals were big business because back in the day, mom would go into the hospital to have a baby and she wouldn't come home for five days. So you had to eat your dad's cooking while mom was tied up at the hospital. And then they learned like, hey, if we if we kick her out after a day, we can get that bed for another patient. Make more money on the admittance fees. So I'm a little cynical. So, OK, so there's the insurance. There's the hospital complex as far as investments and the, you can invest in a hospital. That's kind of cool, right? Second one, big pharmaceutical companies, Merck, Pfizer, Eli Lilly. Um, let's take a pill to cure cancer. Let's take a pill to cure baldness. Let's take a pill to cure erectile dysfunction. Please don't make me watch another commercial of Brett Favre throwing a football through a inner tube to tell me about erectile dysfunction. Please, please, please. <laughs> a man and wife holding hands and walking through a field like, hey, um, I don't need those. I, that's a, that's a social statement that I will, I don't make a lot of social statements, but I don't know if pharmaceutical comp companies should be telling you, ask your doctor about this drug. I, I think the doctor should know about the best drugs in my mind and not necessarily be taking your advice from a commercial Brett Favre throwing a football throw. You get the idea. Okay. So there's the hospitals. There's the big pharmaceuticals. Then there's the medical device companies like intuitive surgical where they make a robot where a doctor doesn't even have to be in the country and he can do a heart procedure on you. That's awesome. And it is really down to the precision that even a doctor's hands can't do. I know you're saying, yeah, my doctor had the shakes. I know. I, I look at you and I can see that he had the shakes. Um, but the fourth area of healthcare is biotech. Now, this is the trickiest one of all. Typically, the biotech world is coming up with a cure for cancer. And you're like, who's going to get it? Is it going to be Regeneron over here? Is it going to be BioNTech over there? We, and they all have weird names. And you look at their websites, and they all have scientists, and the scientists all look the same. You're like, you can't tell the difference in scientists, and you can't tell the difference in scientist degrees. They're not making money. They're searching for a cure. So the best way in my mind to play biotech stocks is to do a biotech index. 
And then you're just betting on the university systems of the world to create smart doctors, smart physicians, smart scientists, and let them go do their thing, which we think we have with BioNTech, who came up with an mRNA way of solving the vaccine, which is kind of, for the lack of a better phrase, it's kind of like a super flu shot. When we started to see the efficacy of the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines, we were like, whoa, we've never seen that in a flu shot. And COVID's a flu, right? It happens to be a very contagious flu. It happens to be a very um, um, destructive to any weakness in your body, particularly the lungs. But we've come up with a new flu shot. And that'll be something that we look back on in history and go, wow. Now, a year ago, I was too chicken to invest in a company like Moderna. They didn't have any revenues. They had this great idea of, we got this way of baking vaccines and cooking them and, and uh, getting, instead of spike proteins, to get more proteins in you versus, it, it's tough to explain and I'm not good at it. But you gotta have some biotech. I think 20% of your money, 20% of your money goes into the healthcare system right now. I think 20% of your investment money can go into healthcare. 5% into hospitals, 5% into big pharma, 5% into biotech, 5% into medical devices. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on anything I ever say, because I don't know you. I'm giving you ideas to start from and figure out, does that work for you? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Think of me as your uncle who knows a lot about money. And we'll get along well. I'm here to be talked to. I'm not you. I'm here to impart what I can, but I'm not you. Um, I'm older than you, maybe. I'm wealthier than you, maybe. Maybe not. What you don't want to do with me is say, what's one stock to buy? I'm buying a stock today, and I'm not allowed to talk about it. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. Um, I'm not allowed to front run and tell you what I'm buying. And if I talk about it, I'm not allowed to buy it for three days, and I want to buy it today. Um, so just know that we have a weird relationship, okay? I'm going to tell you something about the housing market right now that I hope you walk away from because I don't have skin in the game. I'm not a real estate agent. I don't hate real estate agents, but I hate the messaging. Oh, real estate always goes up. And I happen to get a big fat commission from it. The one thing I'm going to love is when Zillow gets their act together and the millennials basically throw the bird at real estate realtors and basically go, we don't need you. We can buy a house without you. All the stuff that you do is great. Thank you for marketing. Thank you for walking me through it because I've never bought a house before. You've sold 10 houses. You know, 10 times as much as I do, right? That's going to shift. The real estate agent, we have more real estate agents in the United States than we have homes for sale. That's messed up. Um, my realtor from when I bought a house 12 years ago, she gets my kids crazy expensive Christmas gifts every year. 
leaves them on the doorstep because that's how big of the commissions are in the industry. And to me, that's lovely to get those gifts. But millennials won't be getting those gifts because they won't be using the agent who makes a big fat commission. There will be fee compression. There will be. Now, let me give you a little bit more about real estate and my opinion on the state of real estate right now. Home sales in March slowed. Okay, let's digest that for just a second. Median home prices reached a new high. Prices hit a high, home sales slowed. Those two shouldn't go together in theory. Sales were still higher than they were a year ago. So month to month, they slowed. Year over year, they're rocking. Softening sales, stick with me here. It's not due to demand going away. Demand is strong. It's the severe lack of supply. If demand was retreating, you wouldn't see multiple offers. We are seeing multiple offers. Widely prevalent, 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 prevalent. Home prices growth should be decelerating. It's not, it's accelerating. Inventory should be staying on the market for longer period. It's not. Housing's on fire right now. And it has a lot of experts ask the question, is this too much? Median existing home prices surged to a new high of $329,100 in March. I believe when I got into this industry about 25 years ago, the median existing home price in the United States was probably around $185,000. Now we're up to $329,000, but it's up 17.2% from the same time a year ago. Now I did well in the last year because I own companies like Apple and Facebook, Microsoft, Google, Activision. I did very well. I'm not bragging. My income from radio didn't go up 17.2%. My income from television didn't go up 17.2%. My income from, you know, getting clients and finding people to want to invest didn't go up 17.2%. So existing home prices have hit a new high. And we also hit the fastest growth ever. Well, not ever. That's tough to say because the National Association of Realtors, also known as NAR, only stock started tracking prices in 1999. Little Prince, Little Prince. Hey, Prince is coming out with a new album next month. Weird, right? For the record, Prince Super Bowl, Miami, greatest halftime show of all time. Just my opinion. I've watched it on YouTube, and what's beautiful about that, I'm like, you show the kids, like, wait, wait, he's going to play Purple Rain, and it's going to start raining. And he's going to say something like, hey, Miami, is this all the rain you have for me? And he's like, got an electric guitar. He's going to die on stage, and we're going to watch it. Showing my kids the video, holy mackerel, we didn't have 4K. We didn't have, you know, high definition. We were looking at fuzz. How did that ever satisfy us? I want 4K HDR. I want 8K, except for the bandwidth. Okay, median existing home prices. I want to go over that again. Softening sales activity is not due to demand going away. Demand is strong. 
softening sales is usually a bad sign, right? But we have no homes for sale. Demand's not retreating, demand's increasing. Multiple offers are a thing, they're a real thing. Home price growth should be decelerating, it's accelerating. So sometimes you gotta dig in the data a little bit darker, and then you see that 17.2% median price year over year, that's too much. So you just try to be honest with yourself, total housing inventory at the end of March hit 1.07 million units, up 3.9% from February's inventory. Inventory's down 28% year over year. We're at a 2.1 month supply of homes for sale. That's not good. That is completely seller's market because there's no other options. And that's why there's multiple, if we had six months supply, right now we would see home prices down 10% year over year. We don't have six months supply. If we had nine months, you'd see that prices down 15%. I've lived through three and a half months supply as much as 10 months supply. We're at 2.1 month supply. That's nuts. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.